Hey, what's up, guys? This is Kyle here. This is the You Know I Got So In Stereo podcast. You've got one person here who doesn't eat beef. you got another guy here who only listens to Keith, and I am the HOST. And uh, we got a special guest in the house today. Tom, introduce us to the guest. Yeah, I want to introduce our special guest. He, he's a you know he's been a supporter of what we do with with R&B and you know I got soul for a while, and he's really been appreciative of the support we've given to him over the years. He's been making quality R&B for many years now. One of the artists we we support the most. So thank you to Bobby V for joining us here tonight. Hi man, happy to be here, man. Happy to be here. Definitely one of the most consistent R&B artists that we've had in a while, uh, Bobby. You know, the first thing that we always talk about on our podcast is just new music that we're listening to. So uh, tell us what's, what's going on in your iPod right now. Uh, right right now, my iPod, I have uh, what I'm listening to heavy is uh, Eric Bellinger, um, Party Next Door. And honestly, man, I've been, um, I will have Miguel's project. Of course, Tyrese went on a great uh, promo of his project, so I had to go support that. Uh, Jill Scott's project. Um, who else? Miguel. I know Jeremiah has a nice, cool mixtape, The Late Night. Well, you know, but mostly what's getting the most rotation is uh, Eric Bellinger and Party Next Door. So those are, like, who I'm, like, jamming to heavy right now. As well as, as as well as all the music that I make, I, I'm not gonna lie. A lot of people ask, "Hey, do you listen to your own music?" I listen to a lot of my own music because, you know, I really know that that the music I make touches my soul in a certain way, and I think every artist feels that way. But I definitely, you know, listen to a lot of my stuff to go along with that. So, and I also okay. was weird. Was weird. I also listened to um, a lot of. Uh, spa music and like relaxation and a lot of zen music and you know music that just uh, feels good you know like late night might have a honey or two over and I put the weird I call it the weird music but it definitely takes you to a different place you know so those are some things that I'm listening to right now well that's what's up now I want to ask you guys each this um, you know Ed you can start this off and then we'll just pass it along to each person. But, you know, Bobby, you were mentioning artists like Party Next Door. Like Miguel, it's not really the traditional R&B that we grew up on in the 90s. It's a little more alternative. So, um, Ed, I'll start with you. How long did it take for you? Because I think that subgenre probably started around 2009, 2010, maybe even 2011. How long did it take for you guys to, you know, get used to that type of music and even start accepting it as R&B? Well, I think Man. the first artist that hit me with that, it might have been The weekend's early mixtapes. And I remember the first mixtape, I was like, what is this weird space alien stuff? This is just on some other level stuff. But then he hit me with that House of Balloons mixtape, and I was like, okay, I see where it's going. And I know some fans get kind of weirded out when things don't sound like Jodeci 1992, but this ain't 1992. So I think it's great to accept R&B as it continues to evolve. We've got Miguel's album that's kind of like going in that lane of, it doesn't stray as far as The weekend, but it's certainly in the lane of kind of more rockish and different sounds and different vibes. 
And if you go back, R&B has always been very, a genre that has always evolved like that and been very diverse. So it takes a while for your ear to get used to it, but just open up to it and, and you'll find something you like. For me, it was actually Tinashe who, who came with some of that dark and moody music that The Weeknd was coming with. And um, I hadn't really been introduced to it before her. So, you know, I kind of liked some of her earlier mixtapes and, and what she was putting out. Um, you know, what she put out on the album was a little different. Two on was a little different, but that kind of opened the door for me and introduced me. I still love my 90s R&B. There's nothing like it. But, you know, at least I, that opened me up to the newer sound a little bit. I Honestly, I haven't accepted it, but I don't have a choice. Um. I mean, with with people that's making real R and B music, not really selling like that. You have to, as a um, student of the game, you got to listen to what's going on and see what's the new trends and what's going on at the time. So, um, I haven't accepted it, but I've accepted that it's the change and it's the new move for R and B music. So, I really don't have a choice. I think it's really interesting because you have R&B right now going in two different directions, one being the more alternative vibe that we're getting with the party next doors and the weekends. And then you have R&B that's driving more towards hip hop. And it's, you know, Bobby, you're from, you're, you're in Atlanta right now. So you're accustomed to the whole turn up culture that's going on. And Ed, you're from the South as well. So I'm sure you're able to live in that as well. So what do you guys think of that whole turn up culture that's going on right now? That seems to be, uh, making its way into the mainstream. Player, well, now you know if you follow any of my writings or any of my rants or any of my musings, turn up is not my thing because I think I'm okay with the sound. Some of the production is very good, and I think that savvy artists have 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 a way of taking the turn up sound and still be able to make quality music of it. But there's just been so much. And and I take it back to New Jack Swing, if you want to go back there, and y'all going to get mad at me, Twitter's going to be heated after this. But the problem with the New Jack Swing era is there was a different sound that everybody just emulated and emulated and emulated, and it just got so cheesy and cheap that everybody was doing it, and you had 200 people doing the same sound, and it just cheapened it, and it just made you want to throw up when you hear it. That's how turn up has gotten to me. It's too much. It's gotten lazy. It's just gotten overboard. And every once in a while, you hear some quality stuff because you can take the sound and craft it with an artist that knows what he or she is doing and get some solid material out of it. But if you're just riding and you're just, like, bouncing to some sparse beat and you just got one lyric that you're saying over and over again, man, miss me. Well, I'll say about it, you know, the only thing I don't like about it is that some artists feel pressure to, to try to mimic that sound and, and give up their creativity and who they are. It just it just pains me to have to, to see it have to come to that because I like when artists are able to express themselves or who they are and do what they want. I mean, I'm in I'm in New York and you know I, it's catchy music. I can't lie, some of it's really catchy. It's just that I just don't like seeing people just try to imitate something, you know. But I I understand the music business and how it is, so. I just accept it for what it is. What, I mean, what do you? How do you feel, Bobby? Um, I feel like you know, um, like you said, it is what it is, man. You know, it's part of the culture. It's part of urban music culture. So, um, I think it's a time and place for everything. There's definitely a time that you want to turn up. So, it's uh, you know, something you definitely want to hear when it's that time. But other than that, you know, 
that's not really my thing either. I'm a real R&B guy. I think it's really interesting because, you know, you're based in Atlanta now. So, you know, that's what you hear when you're when you're in Atlanta. And that's, you know, and it's great to see Atlanta doing its thing and everyone recognizing Atlanta for their talents. But this turn-up sound kind of goes against what R&B is because when you look at the artists like Future or even Fetty Wap, it's, you know they're singing. It's it's melodic, but it's not really it's not really singing. So um, an interesting quote that I read recently, actually, Tom, you did an interview with Avery Wilson, who signed to RCA Records, and he said that as long as this turn up sound exists, it'll always be a lane for R and B artists because artists like Fetty Wap and Future are still making melodic sounds and still making melodic records. Do you agree with that? Do you think R and B still has a lane to fit into this turn up sound? I mean, I don't think I think I think it doesn't have a place. It's like when guys are like Fetty Wap and and you know Future. If rap is more dominant, let's just be honest here. Rap is the more dominant form of music right now. If the rappers are singing, what, why do they need singers for? That's that's like, and that's what I think the situation is, and why we're dealing with you know R and B being at the state it is now. It's because all the rappers sing. So what do you need a singer for if these guys are going to sing the song? It used to be rappers had their lane, singers had their lane. Now with the auto-tune, everybody can sing. So it's like, I think that R&B, it's like it's losing the lane. And people keep telling me, people been telling me for the last four or five years, R&B coming back. I'm trying to see. Who was the last newest, who was the last new R&B artist that everybody's on? Honestly, it's a good thing for artists like me because it's like I don't have a lot of competition. I have competition, of course, but it's not like the rap lane because that shows you that their R&B is just so hard to break into. And I I feel sorry for, like, when people come up to me like, hey, I can sing. Or people are like, oh, you sing good and all of this stuff. It doesn't matter. Because real singing doesn't matter no more. We're being conditioned so much now to the point to where nobody even knows who sings good no more. Like, it don't matter. So that's that's part of where, to me, where the R&B game is now. It's like the singers, the rappers are singing, and the singers are trying to rap. So it's, just, it's so confusing, and especially as an artist, as a, as a real musician, you know, trying to figure out, yo, how can I make a song that's going to fit in with these guys that are just kind of just, you know, even Drake. I think Drake really kind of started the trend of the new kind of thing, rap. And, and Drake's an awesome artist. He's one. He's the dopest out right now. But he's really kind of changed the game to me. He is the game. Drake is the game. So it's like when somebody is the game, and they're the God. Drake is a God. So it's like everybody up and coming um, is being conditioned by Drake. So everybody sounds like Drake now. I think the trickle-down effect, too, of it is we're losing a lot of musicians in the younger generation because the kids are looking up to, you know, these artists who aren't real musicians. That's it. We're losing the musicianship. Instead of producers now, it's just beat makers. Right, because you don't have to make you don't need nobody to come in and play chords and, and come up with different progressions and bridges on songs and stuff that used to really matter. You you don't need that no more because as urban people, 
we're conditioned to when a bridge come on, you ready to change the song. What the hell is going on here? A bridge? What's this? So it's like, you know, and it's not it's not to sit around and mope about it, but it's just the reality. It's a reality that you really just have to and a lot of people don't want to face reality. But the reality to me is that R and B people keep saying that R and B is coming back and this and that, but it's to me it's only getting worse. I'm hearing less and less R and B on the radio and more turn up and more more people teaching the communities the the rappers raise the community. The rappers raise are raising the kids. So guess what? If I'm a kid and I hear somebody talking about, you know, two girls. Now, I ain't going to lie. Two girls is awesome. I've had it a lot of times. But if if, if you're con- constantly told this, not only is that the norm for God to have two girls, it's the norm for girls to like girls. And, you know, all the things. And to, for guys to go sell drugs. For guys to cuss out the police. Or, you know all the wrong things um, that the kids are growing up listening to. If you are not smart enough, and as a child, you're not. You only know what your environment tells you. So if you're constantly being told these things, you're being conditioned over and over again for for negativity, to, to do drugs, to sip lean, smoke a bunch of weed, you know, and your only way out is to be a rapper. So is nobody telling these kids, yo, you could be a doctor. You could be a successful uh, businessman. You know, all the goal is to just be a rapper or be an athlete. And now with the game the way it is, those chances of doing both things, being an athlete is hard. Being an artist is hard. You know, you can make a hit record, but how many can you make? How long can that last? So it's like um say all of that to say, you know, um, I think that the lane of R&B is, is slowly uh, deteriorating. Of course, for people that's adults that have grew up on R&B, it's good for those artists that have a track record of hit records that made people feel a certain way at the time that they had those hit records because those artists are always able to go tour and those people are always want to come see you on the road. Like, I'm blessed to have the hit records that I've had, you know. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of upcoming R&B artists aren't going to get that opportunity. A lot of musicians aren't going to be, a lot of kids growing up aren't going to have the opportunity to be musicians because they don't even hear musicianship. If you cut the radio on and you just hear rap beats all day, I mean... Why I need to learn how to play the piano? Why I need to learn how to play the guitar? Why do I need to learn how to play the drums? You know. So it's like it's a, like you said the trickle down effect. It's for it's for so many different things, not only just uh, conditioning, but things like learning how to be a real musician. You know, things about respecting your elders. Yeah, respecting your parents. Um, I was going to say, Ed, I know uh, you had a point to make you know, as Bobby was um, talking about this. Well, when it comes down, I think Bobby made a great point about 
R&B. And I think one of the things that we tend to forget, and Barbara touched on this, is that R&B's, its whole image has been lost in recent years. Because I think it's very strange that I'll have people on my page when we talk about R&B who consider Future an R&B artist. They're like, well, Future sounds, he's singing, this is R&B. That's not R&B, homie. We never said Ja Rule, who was melodic, was an R&B artist. Dude just sang on a few hooks. So I think that R&B's goal is to find its voice again, and we can't do that when we are continuing to trace the radio trends because, as as Bobby was saying, it's very easy to hop on a turn-up song or for a R&B singer to rap their, their verses. or And a lot of singers are kind of just rapping their lyrics. So it, it's weird, and I think it's confusing the audience. Whereas in the 90s, there was a, a distinctive division between, and even artists like Missy who rapped and sang, or Lauren Hill who rapped and sang, there was still, you could tell this is a Lauren song where she's singing. This is a Lauren song where she's spitting. Now everything has been mushed together, and I think artists and fans are just losing the connection between the two. So I, my hope would be for artists to come out, and I don't mind them experimenting with hip-hop. That's gone all the way back to the 80s. We can act like that wasn't part of R&B. But stay true to R&B's roots and incorporate hip-hop if you can, but don't become hip-hop just so you can get on the hip-hop radio. Yep, and I think one of the acts that was really good at incorporating hip-hop into their music was, of course, Jodeci. Now, you know, we obviously want to talk about the current stuff, but we also want to talk about the past stuff. So would you guys agree that the first three Jodeci albums are all classics? I would not agree that the first three were all no. rap classes. No. I wouldn't go there. No. <laughs> Bobby? I'm sorry, what was that question? Do you consider the three Jodeci albums, the first three Jodeci albums, to be classics? Of course. That's like one of my favorite groups of all time. Them and Boys to Men, they raised me. So, yes, right. classics. Well, I got a question for yep. you guys, and because obviously the boys Jodeci, every single one of them, um, the, like the first three or four. Okay. Well, this I has, would this definitely has, put two up there. Like that's definitely a classic. I will yep. not argue that at all. So hold on, do you saying of Jodeci? I, I know the show, the after party. That's a classic too. You can't come on now. Yep. What about? Well, I would agree that Diary of a Madman is. Totally. I mean, in the first one, you got to. They had come and talk to me on there. Yeah, I think I would say that the first one is a undoubted classic. I think the second one is a near classic. I don't know if I put the uh, after show party, after party as a um, classic. Ooh. It's really good. I, love I don't that. know about a classic. I, I love that I love it, too. I just feel like when it's a classic, it has to be like a game changer. And I don't feel like it was a game changer. It was just a hot album. Yeah. Bobby, I'll let you take the lead on this next question that I'm getting into here. Jodeci obviously put out their new album uh, earlier this year. What did you think about that album? Uh, they're my favorite group, and I was a little disappointed. Okay. I was actually more than a little disappointed. I was very disappointed with the album. I bought it. It was one of the few albums I did really purchase because they're my favorite. I just... I was looking for something that I didn't get. I didn't hear JoJo vocals. 
And I know he's battling with some different issues and stuff, but, you know, just to hear KC the whole album, you know, it was cool, but I wanted to hear that real Jodeci. I wanted to hear Devontae. I wanted to hear Devontae bring at least, I, I just don't feel like Devontae even produced nothing on there. To me, it just was like, I don't know who produced it. It was just like, it was like the song, they were almost hot. It was like it was almost hot, but it just won it one bit. It was like, dang, like if they would have just did this one little thing on there, it would have been perfect. Because it was like it was almost there, but vocally it just it really wasn't there vocally, though. Like, because I wanted to hear JoJo, and, you know, I wanted to kind of hear, like, Devontae talking a little more. You know, I really wanted – people wanted to hear Jodeci. They didn't want to hear, you know – I don't know how much updated Jodeci I would really want to hear. You know what I'm saying? And I just heard, like, that. What's up, man? I just heard. I don't know. I wasn't really, you know. And I hate to say that because I know when people be like, ah, I didn't really like that album, and you put so much work into it, and you like, damn, you ain't like the album. It kind of hurts you as an artist, but I'm just being honest. It's still my favorite group of all time, but, you know, I was a little disappointed with that album. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, and I, I think that's a fair opinion, Bobby. I uh, respect that you're being honest about it. I think that um, for those who were paying attention to, to how they progressed through the years, you know, um, Casey and JoJo performing, you know, JoJo vocally not really being there anymore, Casey having to do everything, Devontae not really producing in many, many years, having his own issues, you know, Dalvin just not really active on the scene. It was almost predictable that it wasn't going to live up to the hype. There was a ton of hype, but these guys are well past their prime. And it, it just didn't seem like it was there for, like, a classic album to come from this situation. You know, Timbaland was involved, but... But I didn't you know, even hear Timbaland on there for real, though. It, exactly. You couldn't even really hear his involvement in it. Based yeah, on I didn't hear that. Yeah. yeah, I think with that, I mean, that album... Was, that, that's what I was looking for, too. I was looking, looking to hear more Timbaland. Involvement, you know, and I didn't. I thought that he would at least bring that element to, um, you know, take it to the next level. Hey, I, I think what hit me on that one is honestly, while the hype was so crazy, I came into it with my expectations kind of low with all the points that Tom were making in mind, and I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised to in a sense because not saying that the album was fantastic be honest it was not it was okay but i kind of expected because the last few albums that casey and jojo did as a team i was not feeling at all and this album it seems like at least they tried to recapture the sound and they weren't like oh let's go on turn up song like it wasn't that sort of album and he seemed to at least say, we want to do something for our fans, and it was there for that. So I think for yeah, I didn't me, want to hear the turn. Yeah, I didn't want to hear a turn up from not at all because that's <laughs> yeah. that's not Josie. That's not Josie. Yeah. So it what we got, I felt like was a nice tribute to the yeah, fans, sure. but it wasn't. It certainly wasn't one of the first three albums, not at all. Well, let me ask you guys this: with all you guys have already said, you know, the expectations for you guys. Personally, you know, they weren't that high. You know, Tom, you had mentioned that they were already past their prime. So they put out this new album. Do you think putting out this new album, which 
let's face it, doesn't match the quality of the first three. Do you think that affects their legacy at all? No. I don't, I don't think, no. Yeah, I don't think that they – I just don't think that – I think their legacy was already set in stone yeah. for this album. They, they, they're they set. It's almost like D'Angelo. It doesn't matter what kind of album he'll drop from this point. Even though his last album was awesome, I loved it. Um, it doesn't matter. His legacy is still of those first two, three albums. You know what I'm That's really all that matters. Like, when it takes that long to come out again, your legacy, you're already known for what you're known for. So I definitely don't think that, you know, that matters. And I agree. I, the only thing I think it affects, though, is that when we have legacy artists trying to reemerge, people might be a little bit more skeptical now, and I hope that's not the case, you know, but I was hoping they would have came a little stronger, but their legacy definitely is still intact for me. I just feel like if Timberland would have really been more involved, like they said he he was in the album, it would have been better. Me personally. I don't think he was involved as much as they say he was. Ed? I think when it comes to the actual album and and legacy artists coming out, I don't know. It's a case-by-case basis for me. Y'all know me. I'm critical by nature. That's what I'm here for, to tell you what's hot and what's not. But every artist, to me, comes out with a clean slate. So if the next man's album wasn't that great, I'm not going to judge if, you know, if Badu drops tomorrow or another artist who we've been waiting on for a while who has a classic catalog. So even if you do have one that's a little bit of a clunker, it doesn't erase what you already did. So, you know, we're all allowed to have one or two things that didn't quite work out. But that doesn't mean that you didn't give us years and years of heat before. But I still love them. I went to that concert when they were in Atlanta. Um, and, you know, just to see them all fall on stage, it really didn't even matter how how they sounded or none of that. It was just the fact that Jodeci was back on stage and touring again. So I think, you know, I was at that concert, and that was, that was real cool just to see them all together, you know, after all they've been through. Yep. So... Uh, I want to get into another segment that we do on this podcast. Bobby, I'll let you take the lead on it. So in this section, we like to go back and revisit an album that, you know, we consider to be a classic, a classic R&B album. So what's a classic R&B album that comes to mind for you? Um, I, I would say the D'Angelo, since I just was speaking of him, the Brown Sugar album. Mm. I think that that's definitely like an album that's just classic, and you can hear that that album will be hot for for years, forever, really. And I think that that album really set him and made him who he is, you know, today. Can I can I just interject on that? Do you feel like when the Voodoo album came out, it was kind of it wasn't on the same level? I, I think it's debated heavily. I think the Voodoo album, that's an awesome album, too. I think, to me, that album is a classic, too, but I think it was um, it, w- it was just it was just uh, different. It wasn't different than the first, but that album was more alive than the first. Like, the first album, you could tell, like, what he wanted to do and who he was, but by him being a new artist, 
he couldn't do it how he really wanted to do it. So he had to kind of do that album to get himself out there. I think the, the, the Voodoo album was the album that he really wanted to do the first time, but he probably didn't have the means or, or you know, the label wasn't with that kind of album. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think that, and I go back and forth with D'Angelo all the time because I'm a huge Brown Sugar fan, and I am not a huge Voodoo fan. But I think the sound is different, and like Bobby said, because if you listen to stuff that D'Angelo has done since Voodoo, it sounds more like Voodoo than Brown Sugar. So exactly. I think that's everything, the album everything you like to do. Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. That that I feel like is a real D'Angelo. But again, it doesn't erase Brown Sugar, which I feel like is a five star classic. Some people consider Voodoo a classic. I'm not really feeling it, but it's still. I don't think it hurts his legacy at all. It's an artist who did one thing and switched the lane and did something else. I don't. I, it bothers me when an artist puts out the same album every single time. It's what you sound on. Like, I want to hear you do something new and bring something new to the game. And that's what he did with that. Sometimes it works, sometimes it don't. So, Tom, um, I know you want to get into this ne- next segment for us. Bobby, this is the This or That segment. So, uh, Tom, I'll, I'll pass it on to you. I'm just going to name two things. We go around the table, and you say which one you, you prefer more. The first one is vocals on CD or vocals live? Vocals live. Yeah, man, vocals live. There's nothing like it. Yeah, there's nothing like someone singing live and singing good. Groups versus solo artists, which do you prefer? Uh, back in the day, I used to prefer groups, but now I prefer solo artists. Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to go with solo artists for now. If you ask me tomorrow, I'll probably switch my answer, but I'll go with solo for now. You know, I've just been listening to a lot of Drew Hill recently, so I might go with the group, but I think I'm going to stick with the solo as well. Tapes? CDs or MP3s? Damn, man. I'm I'm sad because CDs are becoming extinct. I remember. I'm going to have to say CD because I used to like to open the CD, look at the credits, look at the photo shoots and all that stuff. It's like now you're so, it's so much of an, a, a de-attachment from an artist because you're just getting the song. You're not really getting the visual or none of that stuff with it. So now, a lot of times now, the new artists, you don't even know who they are. All these people that are coming out with these different songs, you have no idea what they look like or who they are because there's no packaging anymore. So I would have to definitely say CDs. Yeah, I'm riding with you on this one. I'm looking at my treasured CD wall right now. I've got a wall of, I mean, like thousands of CDs I'm staring at. And I used to love cracking open that plastic. And then yeah. looking at those credits, and then re- and then you would just see so many names that would become big stars. I remember reading about producer Kanye West and people like that, and those names stick with you. So then when you see them come on the scene again, you're like, oh, okay, that's the dude that did whatever, whatever. So I miss those uh-huh. days. We're missing something. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because, Tom, you you know, the three options you gave us were tapes, CDs, and MP3s, and it's starting to become a thing where MP3s aren't even – the thing anymore. Everything's streamed and 
it seems like there's no such thing as ownership for music anymore because everything's just on a streaming basis. Or what did you choose? You didn't make a choice, going, Kyle. Well, I'm going with the CD. <laughs> oh, okay. Yep. All right, two more. Pop music or country music? I'm going to say country music. To me, it's more soulful and more meaningful. I'm actually about to, it's funny you said that I'm about to actually, the album after my Hollywood Hearts album is going to be a country album. Okay. Oh, all right. That's what's up. I'm all about, I I have to go with pop because I think that pop is much more diverse and it can, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's some decent country songs out there, but pop I can get with. Most of country drives me nuts. (laughs) I'm going with pop as well. Well, pop is really just popular music. Pop is just popular music, so whatever yeah. is hot is pop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna probably have to say pop too, though. I'm I'm thinking about all techno and all that type of pop, but I forget that pop is popular. Pop is only what what makes it when it makes it past urban radio, it becomes pop. Last one: boys to men or Joe to see. Damn. That's for you. That's for you, Bobby. <laughs> Why you do me like that, man? Come on. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to say, man. I just. I'll, that's that's a hard one for me because I felt like um, Boys to Men were the clean cut guys, and Jodeci was the rugged street singing dude. And I really just felt like me as an artist, I was a combination of both of them. Because I grew up in a great neighborhood and all that, but I also went to the hood and and went to school sometimes in the hood and went to the boys' club. So I think I had a um, you know the best of both worlds growing up. I, I don't know. I can't. Can I just have an equal on that? No, that's not an option, man. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Oh man, player! I my instinct is to go with Jodeci just because over this course of their albums, I feel like I enjoyed more Jodeci albums than I enjoyed Boys to Men albums. So I'll go with Jodeci. Barely, I'm kind of like Bobby. I kind of want to do both, but barely Jodeci. Um, I'm gonna go with Jodeci as well. I think. I think for me personally, I think their songs have aged a little better than some of the Yeah, they definitely aged. Yeah, they aged better. Yeah, so I'm going to go with Jodeci on this one. Jodeci songs are still, like, hot today. That's why they were kind of, like, before their time, because, like you said, that is true. They've aged so much better. And I think it's also because they influenced so many people. Like, so many people yeah, around with they did. that it's a little more easier on the ears than... And not that Boys and Men stuff is garbage now, not at all. But, like, that sound just sounds a little bit more dated, while Jodeci's sound just continued to evolve throughout the years, and everybody hopped on that. Right. Hey, I got, I got 47 cents, please. Cool. So, you know, I don't want to keep everyone around for too long. Um, one of the next segments we want to get to, this is our open mic segment. So uh, what I'm pretty much just going to say is a statement or, you know, a quick question. You guys give me whatever comes to mind. So 
last week when we had RL here, um, you know, our topic was an artist that you knew from the beginning that they were going to turn into a superstar. So for this time, I'm going to put it like this. Uh, the, the first artist that comes to mind where you saw them, you thought they were going to be a star, and unfortunately it didn't happen. Is there an artist that comes to mind for you guys? Ooh. What do you consider a star? Or didn't necessarily reach the potential that they, that you thought they would on a mainstream level. I'll start while y'all think. I think there are different levels. I think that I thought, and I contend this, I thought Kelly Price was going to be our generation's Aretha Franklin. And that's not saying that she hasn't had success. She has. But I thought she was going to be, like, we talk about Whitney and and those folks. I thought we were going to be talking about Kelly Price like that back in 97, 98. And she's had a great career, but just not to the level that I thought she would. Like, I thought she was going to be an icon. But, you know, she's done her thing. To a lesser degree... I thought that Kylie Dean was going to be pretty good, and she never really got off the ground through some different circumstances. So I put her up there, too. Can I go with Luke James? I mean, oh, he's, still got, he's, he's still got a shot. I mean, he's still young, but I really thought he was going to be huge. And I did, too. He's a major talent. We love Luke James. Just hasn't gone like I expected. Yeah. I mean, to me, honestly, I feel like Miguel should be way bigger than he is. I think the weekend kind of came in and kind of took Miguel's lane a little bit. I think Miguel was like, to me, he like after that last album, I felt like he was on the pinnacle. I don't know if he took too long to come back out or what. I mean, he's still awesome, but I just feel like he should be so much bigger to me. No, I totally agree. I thought after that second album, he was, like, on the cusp. Like, his next one was going to be the breakthrough. And, I mean, his album was good. I love the album, but... I got the like new album. Said, I love it, too. Right in. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. To me, you know, but also, you know, it's like when you got a team and you got the hottest rappers screaming you out, I mean, you can't lose. So, I think That's that it. with Weekend having, having Drake, who's a... Who's a musical god right now, I mean, you can't lose. But it's like, to me, the weekend kind of came in and took where Miguel was going. He kind of took that that spot Mm. and ran with it. And I still think Miguel is like, I love his new album. Like, for real, like his new album. He is like, one of his best albums. But I mean, I can damn near listen to his new album all the way through, and I really appreciate what what he's doing and, and what he did on this album. I appreciate it as a musician and as an artist um, because he really could have, I mean, him being signed to a major label, he could have just made the typical or regular, you know. He could have just did the typical. But, you know, I respect that he didn't. And he made music that he likes and, and his quality. To me, Miguel is like the new prince, honestly. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I mean, no shade the weekend. I think he's great, but I listen to Miguel before I listen to the weekend, you know. And I know 
maybe I shouldn't say that because, you know, weekend is bigger and weekend is doing his thing and that might make weekend definitely not like Bobby V, but you no, know, maybe I shouldn't. Have, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But you I good, think weekend is awesome. I like I like weekend, but I think that Miguel that album. But see, the weekend is to me. He's on another level. To me, weekend. I go in um, white stores and all type of other stuff, and I hear like I hear the weekend music. But to me, him. His music and Miguel's music kind of go hand in hand, so it's kind of like that's why I feel like he took his spot because I can listen to a lot of Miguel music and it's it's, it's got an alternative feel to it, just like The Weeknd. So it's like you know, Weeknd really Weeknd really won, and I think that it was even like with me, I was hot because I had Ludacris at his peak, shouting out Bobby V. You know what Indeed. I'm saying? So I feel like. Yeah. I feel like if um, Miguel had, you know, Kanye West or somebody that's a, a, a music mogul shouting him out like that, he would definitely be at that same position. But it's kind of hard on R&B if you don't have a team behind you. And I realized that after my second album, like, if you don't have, like, a crew, really after my third album, because that was an album where I was able to have Miss Officer and I, I had Lil Wayne co-signed which was big for me on an independent album, you know. Um, but I feel like it, in today's music, if you don't have that hot rapper cosign, then you just kind of like a little fish in a big pond, and you just really, it's, it's hard. Um, the artist that I'm going to actually go with is Elijah Blake, who signed to Def Jam, signed by No ID. He's a new artist who put out an album this year. Didn't really sell a lot of records, but, you know, I thought he had the potential to be something because he's written for, you know, he wrote Climax for Usher, which was a huge record. And I thought he was going to be able to, you know, make a career for himself, but it hasn't happened yet. He's still young, so I think he's going to have another shot at it, but I just really wish that he had a chance to, you know, see some success as well. The next segment I want to get into, guys, and, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your guys' time, but so the last segment, you know, Bobby, this is completely opposite of what we talk about normally. We're not going to talk about R&B. We're going to talk about food because everyone loves eating. So I'm just going to throw it out there. How do you like your eggs done? And, Ed, I'll start with you. How you like your eggs? Fried or fertilized? <laughs> That's my joint. <laughs> anyway, oh, scramble. I like mine scrambled too. Scramble with some American cheese. Yeah. No, no ketchup. No ketchup. <laughs> ketchup. What ketchup. Barbarians are putting ketchup on their eggs. Like, don't I? No, no. <laughs> I, I see it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know people put ketchup on their I'm a sunny style guy personally. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, fellas, I'm about to get in this elevator. My phone may cut off. Um, we just w- we just wanted to get you to speak on your what you got coming out before we end this right here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have Hollywood Hearts, which is uh, it's a movie that's about to come out. It's gonna have major visibility. It's gonna be on a major network, and the soundtrack, the single is out right now, Hollywood Hearts, and the soundtrack will act as. Um, my album as well as the soundtrack to the movie. So you'll definitely be seeing this movie a lot. Um, I got a lot of great people in there, from Benzino to Carl Payne to Patrice Fisher to um, Life Jennings. 
Um, I got Michael Key from 112 in there. Um, well, I have a lot of people in there. Uh, DC Young Fly in the movie. So I'm excited about the movie because, um, you know, I just was initially doing a, a short, and, and someone, this lady came along um, from a major company and wrote the film to be a full-length feature film. So it's going to be big, and I'm excited about it. So y'all look out for Hollywood Heart, and you can check out the single right now on YouTube along with the video. And the single is on iTunes as well. Sounds good, Bobby. And, you know, I mean, that's it for us, guys. Um, you know, Bobby, thank you again for taking your time, you know, to do this podcast with us. Definitely appreciate it. You know, and hopefully, you know, we get you back on here sometime. 